guys would go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 10. We'll be in Luke chapter 10. We'll be in verses 25 through 37. So most of you know me. Um, some of you may not. I'm Winston. I am a college student, but also um, an intern here with the youth group. See, I do want to say before I get started uh, how thankful I am. Um, you had to get to teach this morning and to get to, to look at this parable with you. Um, we at, uh, in the college ministry on Wednesday nights, Kevin's been teaching through um, some of the parables that Jesus taught, and so I got the chance to um, take one of those and, and open it up a few Wednesday nights ago, but I'm going to get to share that with you all again tonight. But I am thankful to get to teach and to get to um, be with you all this morning. Um, I'm also very thankful uh, to get to work with you all this year. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm very thankful for uh, how you welcomed me and make me feel like uh, I've been a part of this youth group for a long time. Um, and I'm very thankful to get to work uh, with Aaron and Raisha. Um, y'all have some very faithful and wise leaders. Um, actually, would y'all just give them a round of applause real quick? Yeah, they deserve that. You guys, whether you know it or not, are blessed with some great leaders. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and read our passage. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Um, yeah, let's dive in. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to, Jer to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down from that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. I want to go ahead and pray again. Um, Lord, I thank you for um, your word, God. I thank you for um, this parable, God, that we can um, read it and um, understand what you um, would have us to, to gather from it. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd give me, uh, like Aaron said, the help that I need to teach, um, Lord, and that I would remain uh, faithful to uh, this text and that I would uh, be able to just, um, yeah, share your word um, best I can. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, my goals today in this uh, little lesson about this parable um, are not to um, really mine the entire depths of this passage, uh, nor are they to impress you with how much Greek vocabulary I have because I don't have very much. Um, instead, my goals are uh, hopefully to um, show you that this passage is very convicting, um, but at the same time, it's also very comforting. Um, and so if I can do that by the time this is over, it'll be a success. Um, so we're going to break this down into four main points. Um, first of all, we're going to be looking at 
Um, the first two points will have to do with the lawyer. Um, so we're going to think, first of all, about his correct thinking, and then we'll think about his incorrect thinking, and then we'll finally get to the parable and think about Jesus' correction, and then finally, we're going to look at some takeaways at the end. Uh, before I do that, I do want to kind of give you a little bit of background um, about where we are uh, as far as in the timeline um, and who we're talking to, who we're dealing with here. Um, so at this point, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and so he's on his way to eventually be crucified. But uh, at this point in his ministry, he's becoming more and more public. Um, he's teaching more and more. He's becoming known for being a teacher. Um, and so with that comes... Um, drawing the ire of the religious leaders of the time. Um, he's increasingly, um, yeah, just saying some things that they're not uh, not real excited about. So um, and one of these religious leaders uh, we actually see in our text, um, it's the lawyer. Uh, the lawyer here is not the kind of lawyer um, that you might think of. It's not a TV lawyer. He's not your average Alexander Shannara, right? He's not uh, the kind of guy that if you're in a wreck and you need a check, uh, he's he's no help to you. Okay, I told that to the to the college and and they they'd like that. But uh, anyways, all right. Um, he's he's a he's a expert on Old Testament law. Uh, he's an expert um, on scripture. Um, he would have been someone you would have came to with with questions about that, as as evidenced by his quoting of scripture. Um, he knows it well. Um, so he he falls into that category of uh, religious leader who is uh, not happy with Jesus. Um, and so let's go ahead and look at, first of all, what he gets right, because he does get some things right, and I think it's helpful for us to, to look at. So we're going to look at the lawyer's correct thinking. Um, first of all, he uh, gets right that Jesus is a teacher uh, and that Jesus is one to come to when you have questions about life. Um, like I mentioned, um, Jesus is becoming uh, increasingly public in his ministry. Um, and he's becoming more known for um, being a teacher about Scripture and about life. Um, in John 10, chapter 10, and I'm going to flip around a little bit and, and read some different passages, but you don't have to flip. You can just mark it down. But uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, so coming to Jesus with questions about life is fair, right? He, he's a self-proclaimed life expert. Um, so the lawyer gets that right. Um, he also gets right the way to eternal life. Um, so uh, he asked Jesus, what shall I do in eternal life? And Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? And uh, the law that he quotes is actually two Old Testament passages. Uh, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And that is uh, from Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 5. And he also says, uh, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Um, and so... Um, he, he, he gets correct, according to Jesus at least, uh, the way to inherit eternal life. Um, Jesus actually used this same exact, exact scripture um, when he was asked in Matthew chapter 22 about what the greatest commandment is. He, he quoted the same thing. Um, and so um, at this point, you're probably kind of wondering, well, don't we know that um, the way to eternal life, don't we know that uh, our salvation is only... Um, by faith through grace, right? It's only by grace through faith. It's only by uh, our faith in Jesus, by our repentance from our sins. Um, doesn't this seem kind of contrary to the gospel? Um, it seems that way at first, um, but kind of hold that thought for a second. Um, I'll come back to that. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move on into next, um, the lawyer's incorrect thinking. Um, so, first of all, 
his motives are incorrect, right? He's coming to Jesus uh, with the intent of trapping him. Um, it says in verse 25, uh, he stood up to put him to the test, right? He's not coming um, honestly and humbly um, to learn from Jesus. Uh, he's coming with the intent of trying to trap him. Um, Jesus uh, is, is not ignorant of this, right? He's not, um, he, he knows the lawyer's motives. Um, the lawyer's goals here uh, are to try to get Jesus to contradict Scripture, uh, to try to get him to, to say something that uh, would allow the lawyer the chance to declare him blasphemous, right, and to, to be able to um, just push this guy away. And, um, but Jesus didn't take the bait. Uh, he actually affirmed the very Scripture that this lawyer said. Um, the, the next thing that the lawyer gets wrong is um, he thinks that he can do something good enough to inherit eternal life. Um, we know that this is not true. Um, actually, in Romans uh, chapter 3, um, Paul talks about how, how good we are and how able we are to, to do right. Um, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, uh, this is kind of a conglom- conglomeration of a few different psalms. Um, but Paul says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way to peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Um, so this kind of um, goes back to the question we had a minute ago uh, about this lawyer's answer um, really being the way to eternal life. Um, Jesus um, affirmed this lawyer's answer. Um, but he did so because he knew the, the operating system that this lawyer was coming into the conversation with, right? This lawyer was not coming into the conversation uh, really trying to learn. Uh, he was coming in uh, with this baseline assumption that the law is the only way, right? Um, and so Jesus, um, operating with this same assumption, right? He, he just operates with the, the lawyer's own um, initial assumptions, um, affirmed that according to the law, this is what we have to do, right? Um, according to the law, we do have to love perfectly. We do have to love God perfectly. We do have to love man perfectly. Um, that, that is the burden placed on us um, if we are under the law. Um, but we know that we're not able to do that, right? We know that we're not really able um, to perfectly love God or to perfectly love each other. Um, and so it's because of that that God sent Jesus, right? That's why he came. Um, and so that's how we kind of square this with the gospel, right? Um, with the true knowledge about who we are and what we're capable of, uh, we're able to see that um, we're not able to meet that burden. We're not able to love God perfectly. We're not able to love man perfectly. Um, but God sent Jesus, and he did. Uh, he did that. Um, he loved his, his fellow man perfectly. He loved God perfectly. And so it's by our faith in him that we're able uh, to inherit eternal life. Um, and so that's, that's, why, that's why Jesus said, you have answered correctly, right? Um, because he knows the lawyer's motives. He knows that the lawyer is not there to learn, but that he already has his mind made up. Um, and so that's kind of where I see this passage as being comforting, right? Um, because apart from Jesus, this is what we have to do. We have to love God with our whole being perfectly. We have to love each other perfectly. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't do that often. <laughs> Sometimes there's glimpses, right? Sometimes I get things right. Um, but a lot of times I don't. Most of the time, I would say I don't. I don't love God perfectly. I don't love 
um, those around me perfectly. Um, but Jesus did. And so uh, we, we can be comforted in the fact that because he did, and because we have our faith in him, because we're in him, um, we can inherit eternal life. Um, the next kind of thing that the lawyer gets wrong, um, and this will kind of lead to the parable, is uh, he thought that uh, the term neighbor, right, in the Leviticus passage, right, you'll love your neighbor as yourself, um, was a term that was meant to exclude. Um, another way that you could ask the same question, um, I'll just read it again. In verse 29, he says, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Um, you could ask that same question and say, who is not my neighbor, right? Um, you could also, you know, he, he's, he's, he's asking this question with the intent of trying to, to know who he doesn't have to love. Um, but that's, that's not the point of the, the commandment. Um, the Jewish idea of neighbor at the time was uh, kind of exclusive, right? First of all, you're kind of obligated to your immediate family, um, and then maybe the, the Jews living around you, and then kind of the, the whole Jewish community at large. Um, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot of obligation, right? You're not really, um, they weren't very mission-minded, <laughs> if you will. Um, but that's not the kind of love that we're called to. Um, it it kind of makes sense, though, for us to be able to love uh, those that are easily lovable, right? It makes sense for us to, uh, to love our, maybe our parents or our siblings or our friends or uh, those we go to church with. Um, but it's a little bit harder when uh, we get to love those that it's not quite as uh, convenient or easy to love. Um, Jesus actually, in Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 44, says uh, to love our enemies uh, and to pray for those who persecute us. Um, and so God's, God's definition of love, God's commandment to love, is not exclusive and it's not ritualistic like we tend to make it. Um, it's not a, a box to be checked and there's not um, groups that we can uh, say that we don't have to love. Um, yeah, actually, in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 17, we read, um, God's love does not abide uh, in someone who sees a need um, and closes their heart to that person. Um, and so I was very convicted um, in studying for this passage. Right? I told you this is a comforting passage. Um, it's also a very convicting passage um, because I know that oftentimes I don't love people like that. Um, oftentimes I'm, I'm very self-focused. I'm very um, concerned with what I have going on. Um, and outside of that, I'm not real concerned. Um, with this passage, yeah, it, it definitely convicted me. Um, and so now I'm going to look at Jesus' answer to this. Um, and, and instead of uh, just simply telling this guy, you're supposed to love everyone, right? That's, Jesus could have said that. Um, but instead of doing that, he told a parable. Um, and Kevin said this a while back. Um, when he's teaching on another parable, but um, these parables are stories that are meant to restory our lives. Um, they're meant to reshape the way we see the world around us and the way we see our place in it. Um, I think this, this parable does just that, um, as shown by the lawyer's answer at the end. He gets it, right? Um, so let's go ahead and look at the parable finally. We're almost done, and we haven't even looked at the parable yet. Um, so first of all, um, Jesus talks about a priest and a Levite, right? We can kind of lump these together. Um, they kind of have um, sim similar takeaways for us, but uh, they, they kind of show us some of the excuses that we um, tend to make ourselves um, to be able to excuse ourselves from loving people. First of all, um, our safety, right? Um, this area is obviously dangerous. There's at least one half-dead man who'd been beaten and stripped and robbed. Um, and so... The same could happen to the priest and the Levite. 
right? So they're, they're probably worried about their own safety. Um, we do that too. And I'm not saying to become a daredevil. I'm not saying that we need to uh, unnecessarily risk our lives. Um, but I am saying that uh, sometimes we need to um, maybe do things that make us uncomfortable. Maybe do things that get us out of our comfort zone. Um, and the, the next excuse that they use uh, is their time. Um, because this is a dangerous road, because this is an area that's known for um, people being robbed and, and beaten, um, this is not somewhere you just go for a Sunday stroll, right? They're not just out for a leisurely walk. Uh, they have somewhere to be or else they wouldn't be on that road. Um, and we use that. This was the most convicting one for me. Uh, I use that excuse a lot. Like, I, I just don't have time. I just, I got homework to do. I got tests to study for. Uh, and so I, I know that for me was, was a big one, right? Um, and I'm, once again, I'm not saying... We need to be chronically late to everything. I'm not saying um, that time doesn't matter, um, but I am saying that uh, maybe we should plan into our schedules uh, to minister to others and to love others a little bit more. Uh, maybe we spend a lot more time uh, on things that don't really matter um, in, during the day, um, time that we could be using to, to love others. Um, and so the, the, the priest and the Levite um, allowed that excuse to... to um, keep them from having to love this man. And they also didn't want to get dirty, right? Um, this man was, he was dirty and bloody and naked, and he was unable to help himself, right? Um, so it would have required them getting dirty themselves. Um, and maybe getting physically dirty is not that uh, difficult for you. I know there's a lot of uh, teenage boys in this room. I was a teenage boy myself. Um, physically dirty is not, is not that big a deal for some of us. Some of us it is. Um, but maybe some of us don't want to get into a messy situation, right, to love somebody. That can be a little more difficult sometimes. Um, we have to, to go into, enter into somebody else's world and to, uh, to meet them where they're at. Um, which is kind of the next excuse I, I listed here is getting involved. Um, it can be difficult sometimes to um, allow ourselves to enter into someone else's world um, when they're vastly different from ours. Um, and when we, um, yeah, we just, we, we want to, kind of protect ourselves and keep ourselves in this little bubble, um, but that's not the kind of love that we're called to. Um, we're, call, we're called to, to step into people's world and to love them where they're at. Um, and so Jesus gives us a depiction of what it means to actually love um, like God wants us to love in the, in the Samaritan here. Um, the Samaritan was of a, a, a different nationality, um, a nationality that hated the Jews, um, and that actually was hated by the Jews. Um, in studying for this, I read that the Samaritans at one point um, took a whole bunch of human bones and scattered them about uh, in the temple in Jerusalem right before Passover so that the temple would become unclean and the Jews couldn't use it, which is kind of funny, a little bit, a little bit of, little bit of a prank from the Samaritans. But in response, the Jews destroyed the Samaritans' temple, um, kind of blown it out of proportion there. Um, but you get the point. They didn't like each other. Um, but this Samaritan man didn't let differences in background um, excuse him from loving. Um, he's also most likely needed to be somewhere, just like the priest and the Levite, right? This is not a, a place he's just going for a Sunday stroll. He's not just out um, walking around bird watching or whatever. Like, he, he has somewhere to be, um, but he didn't let his busyness excuse him from loving. Um, just like I said a minute ago, this is a dangerous area, right? This area is known um, for, for being a place where people get uh, attacked, right? This is kind of a it's very steep road, uh, a, lot of, a lot of cliffs and a lot of places for people to hide and jump out and attack people. Um, but he didn't let, he didn't let uh, cares for his own safety excuse him from loving. Um, he also didn't let 
uh, needing to get dirty excuse him from loving. Um, and he didn't let having to use his own resources excuse him from loving. We, we read that he uh, poured on oil and wine, right? That's kind of the, the, the Bible's uh, version of um, you know, some kind of antiseptic or uh, neosporin or what have you. Um, he also put him on his own animal. That means that this man is now walking, right? He was riding whatever this animal is. Uh, now he's put the half-dead man on it. He's walking beside him now. Um, and he took him to the inn and paid two denarii. That's two days' wages. Um, depending on the type of inn it was, um, I read that could have been anywhere from a week to three weeks' worth of stay, right? He didn't just pay the bare minimum. Um, he, he, he provided more and above whatever this man needed. Um, he recognized this man's need. Um, he saw him as more than just an inconvenience. Um, and he, he gave of himself. Um, to genuinely love, genuinely love for this guy. Um, so this parable kind of teaches us that um, our love, the love that God has called us to, is not for a preset group of people. Um, it's also not um, something that we just do to check off a, a box. Um, it's not something that we do only when the scenario is convenient for us. Um, it's a, it's a, a way we're called to live. Um, and the lawyer's answer at the end, right, um, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Um, the lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. Right, The lawyer got it. Right, He understood. Point received. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we see here that um, Jesus didn't just tell this story because he's just rambling. Like, he's not your crazy uncle who won't stop talking about politics at Thanksgiving. Right, He, he had a point in telling this story, and the lawyer got it. Right, he, Point received, message received. Uh, and so, According to Jesus, um, our neighbors or anyone that um, has a need that we can meet, um, because God loves us unconditionally, um, that's how we should love others too. And so now let's go ahead and look finally at some of our takeaways, um, what we can kind of gather from this passage, um, what it's meant to tell us, what it's not meant to tell us. Um, first of all, the passage is meant to spur us on to love and good works. Um, Aaron read James chapter 2 earlier, um, where it says that faith without works is dead. Um, and so this passage is meant to convict us um, to, to, to love others and to show our faith um, through our works. Um, I think if I told you that um, your salvation is based on how well you do this, I would be tackled off the stage as I should be, right? Um, our, our security, uh, our, um, our hope is not in how well we perform this. Um, it's in how well Jesus performed it. But because he's loved us, because he's given us this free gift, um, we're now freed up to be able to love uh, like this, to be able to um, yeah, show our thankfulness for what Jesus did for us um, and to sh- show others the kind of love that we've been loved with. Um, and so, but we should feel convicted, though, uh, to, to, to love like this, um, to love differently. Um, the passage is also not meant to browbeat you. Um, it's not meant to show you how uh, you fail so much. Um, scripture is clear, like I just said, that our salvation is not based on works. Um, in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That's it. Uh, hearing the word and believing, right? Repenting from our sins, placing our faith in Jesus, that's where our salvation is. Um, so so don't, don't take this passage as, uh, I'm not doing this right. Um, God's just going to you know, take me back off the, off the list, right? There's no eraser. Um, God doesn't remove you from the Lamb's book of life um, once you have placed your faith in Jesus. Um, and this passage is also not meant to guilt you into overloading yourself, right? 
Um, it's not meant to um, cause you to, to want to participate in every single possible outreach program or ministry there is. Um, we actually recently read this book. Uh, it's called You're Only Human. Um, highly recommend. Uh, it's by Kelly M. Kapik. Um, but in the book, the author has a friend who's a pastor um, who's feeling overwhelmed. Um, he read uh, in Matthew, I think it's chapter 25, uh, Jesus commands us to uh, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, come to the imprisoned. All right, there's all these commands. Um, and this guy's a pastor. He's already doing a lot. He, he has a family. Um, and he's just feeling overwhelmed. He's like, how am I supposed to meet all these needs? Like, how am I supposed to be able to do all this? Um, and the author of the book um, gives kind of his answer. And I'll just read that for you. Um, he said, I encouraged him the same way I encourage myself. Today I am caring for the prisoner in jail. I am evangelizing the disenfranchised in Nepal. I am praying over the sick child in the hospital. I am serving and recovering victims of sex trafficking. I am standing against racial injustice. I am caring for widows, and I'm doing so much more. How? I'm doing all this because I'm part of the living body of Christ. God's Spirit has united me to Christ, and because of that union, to my sisters and brothers of the faith. We are one. I am part of the church, both local and global. Obviously, I can't personally do all these things in a single day, nor even in a single lifetime. However, my church actively pours itself out in love for our, neighbor, for our neighborhood, the larger city, and farther as we extend ourselves out to the world. Our church is just one of the vast number of churches scattered throughout the world. As part of God's church, we have people doing prison ministry, caring for the children, feeding the hungry, praying, preaching, and caring for orphans and widows. I am not the body. I'm just part of it. But together, the body works well and reflects the Messiah's heart as it participates in his actions of love, healing, and service. As part of the church that has reigned over, that has reigned over by the ascended Christ and empowered by his spirit, we are collectively able to do even greater deeds than Jesus did before his own death. Um, God now normally, though not exclusively, does his redemptive work in and through us. I am not the Messiah, neither are you, nor is your pastor. But together, resting on the finished work of Christ and empowered by the Spirit, together we carry out the Father's compassion and love by participating in his holy work. We do this as the body of Christ. We are the sheep, and because the shepherd loves us, we together follow and imitate him. And so it's, it's together that we're able to... Um, meet this, these commands that Jesus uh, gives us. Um, and so what are we to do personally? Um, we're to meet the needs of those around us um, and to prayerfully consider how we should serve um, outside of that uh, and then dive in wholeheartedly. Um, but trust that uh, the church worldwide is meeting these needs, right? Uh, we don't have to meet all of them personally. Um, uh, we can rest uh, in, in our salvation, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, without feeling the need to, to earn it. Um, we don't have to uh, do anything to, to gain it uh, ourselves. Um, it's already been uh, earned for us. Um, and so lastly, I just kind of want to look at this. This parable was not meant to be. Um, <clears throat> Jesus didn't tell this to be an analogy um, for his love for us, but it, it is kind of worth looking at um, some of the ways that um, this, this uh, parable kind of correlates with how Jesus loves us. Um, first of all, just like the half-dead man, uh, we are helpless, right? We have nothing to offer um, God. We have nothing to offer him, but um, yeah, he loved us anyways. Actually, unlike the half-dead man, we're actually fully dead. Uh, in our sins, we're completely dead. Uh, we're, we're even more helpless than this half-dead man. Um, and, and, and our death is due to our own sin. Uh, we are sinful. Um, and so, also, just like uh, the Samaritan, um, Jesus gave of himself uh, to rescue us, right? He, he, he willingly gave of himself um, bodily, he died on the cross for us. Um, 
And he knew full well in doing that that we had nothing to offer him, um, that we were not going to be able to uh, give him something that he needs or that he doesn't have already, um, but he loved us anyways. Um, and so I'll say this, uh, we're, we're in church, we're on a Sunday morning at Sunday school, but uh, there may be someone here who hasn't made Jesus their personal Savior yet. Um, they haven't repented of their sins, they haven't placed their faith in him. Um, and I'll say, if, it, if you haven't done that, uh, you need to forget all the other stuff that I've talked about this morning. Um, that needs to be the most important thing. Um, that, that first and foremost is your problem, right? You are dead in your sins. Um, but luckily, we, ha- we have a, a Savior who not only raised others from the dead, um, but who himself personally raised himself from the dead, right? He, he is the life expert, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and so, yeah, come to him if you haven't already. Um, but I, I mentioned that this passage is um, convicting, and I think it is, um, because it calls us to love differently, calls us to love those who are difficult to love, um, and love when circumstances aren't easy for us. Um, but it's also a comforting passage um, because we don't have to do this to earn our way to God. We don't have to do this um, to feel like we're real Christians. Um, we get to do this because we've been loved, um, because we're already uh, in, in the family. We're already um, receivers of this inheritance of eternal life.